Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a Social Media Examiner production. I'm Eric Fisher, and my co-host is Grace Duffy, and this is the show for marketers looking to stay on the leading edge of social media. We bring you expert opinions about the relevant social media news and how it impacts you. On this week's show, we're going to explore the details of the FTC settlement agreement with Facebook and what it means for marketers with special guest Mari Smith. And then Jeff C. will be stopping by to talk about some interesting Pinterest news. Before we get into that, I want to remind you the show is brought to you by the Video Marketing Summit 2019. It's a live online event for any marketer who wants to create videos with confidence. You want to improve your marketing on video with Facebook, with Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. We're gathering 12 of the world's top video marketing pros, and they're going to share you their proven techniques for video creation, video ads, Instagram stories, IGTV, YouTube, LinkedIn video, and live video. And to find out more, just go to videomarketingsummit.info. All right, so let's get into the meat of the show. Our first guest is Mari Smith, and she is a consultant for Facebook and the leading expert on Facebook marketing. She is the author of The New Relationship Marketing, How to Build a Large, Loyal, Profitable Network Using the Social Web. And let's get into this segment. Mari, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Eric. Always a pleasure to be here. Okay. So there were, let's see, like three different waves of Facebook news that came through in the past week, week and a half or so. Uh, the first being their quarter two, their 2019 quarter two earnings report, which we'll get into in a second. The FTC settlement, not only there being a fine, but there being settlement agreement details that I don't think a lot of people know about. And then there's this other thing <laughs> where Mark Zuckerberg came out with a Facebook post, and you know it's important words when he actually writes a Facebook post with, that's it's essentially a blog post, but it's on Facebook. Uh, we're going to break down some of what he said there. And then there's desktop TV streaming device potentially coming from Facebook. So there's a little tease for all of those different things. Let's get into, uh, first and foremost, the quarter to 2019 earnings report data here. There wasn't a whole lot here, but Grace, would you maybe mind running through some of these details for us real quick? Well, and the big thing is that there was a community update as well. So according to Mark Zuckerberg's post in uh, 2Q 2019, there are now more than 2.7 billion people using Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Messenger combined each month, and more than 2.1 billion people using at least one of those services per day. Facebook also reported an uptick in average daily active users and monthly active users. Um, there was an increase year over year. And then the big one was that they reported their annual ad revenue as being 
or total ad revenue, excuse me, for the quarter, not annual, uh, as $16.6 billion with mobile advertising revenue representing 94% of all of that. So take it away, Mari. Let us tell us what, if anything, marketers should be aware of or take away from hearing the or hearing these these stats. So as most people know here in that funny meme that did the rounds and still doing the rounds, sometimes I included my slides, is where Zuckerberg says, uh, you know, the senator asks him, well, how do you monetize if the platform's free? And he's like, the senator, we run ads. <laughs> <laughs> and so the ad revenue is so strong and so consistent. And it was a model that Zuckerberg and really Sheryl Sandberg was the key implementer when she came over from Google back in the day and, you know, saw the writing on the wall, pun intended, that there was extraordinary revenue to be made. And it's really unprecedented in the history of digital marketing, online marketing, which is really quite young still, that one single company would have such a vast array of personal information, right? So Google ads have been around a little longer and Google knows a lot about us, especially with the access to Gmail and whatnot. But Facebook's the first company that really knows so much trackable personal information, which is absolute gold for advertisers. And so that, it's almost like they're just unfazed. It's almost like in some investors and advertisers' eyes, Facebook can do no wrong. And so even despite things like heavy fines and just like almost two years of nonstop bad press uh, with one disaster after another, somehow the user base kept growing, the revenue keeps growing. And so one of the things that I'm finding really interesting around this is like for the last 15 years, Facebook's really been a company that's defined by its user growth, right? Everybody's like, oh my gosh, growing, but it's reached a plateau, it reached like almost saturation point in developed countries, Canada North, um, and America, of course, some parts of Europe, but it's still growing. There's still some growth to be had in more developing countries. And yes, Zuckerberg reluctantly is kind of seeded the Chinese market, I don't think he'll ever break into China. Uh, he's tried numerous times with, you know, Facebook derivatives, but there's still a lot of growth to be had in, in when we lump it all together with all of these combined apps, the Facebook family of apps. Yeah, so something that I've, I've, I've included in, in a lot of my talks uh, this year is that, as you know, Facebook's kind of answer to any kind of competition is one buy them, <laughs> Instagram, WhatsApp. They certainly tried very hard, I think two or three times to buy Snapchat and Snapchat just was not for sale. And so then instead of buying Snapchat, what did they do? They just turned around and directly point blank copied its most popular feature, which is stories over two years now uh, ago with Instagram. And so they are able to attract a younger audience, but it's interesting as marketers to be able to kind of look forward, as Mike Stelzer always says, I can like read the, the tea leaves. And if we go forward another maybe 12, 18 months, and because of the rapid rise in popularity of Chinese-owned app ByteDance owns TikTok, and it's wildly popular with that younger demographic, which is a demographic that Facebook has tried so hard to woo 
with Instagram a little, and it's still doing well there, but Facebook, not so much. You know, they talk about Facebook's like for older people, 30 and up. So, but people still have an account, but are they active? You know, so there's definitely been some shrinkage in some markets around like teens, but then growing in other areas like India. And so what I think that we're going to see is Facebook almost like looking to find a new identity, not being an identity of a company based on nonstop user growth, because eventually, even if everybody on the planet was <laughs> was on one of the Facebook family of apps, you know, eventually they're going to run out. Well, what's happening too is that they're also not growing in countries that don't have internet. So, you know, they're trying to solve that problem with mm-hmm. the, the basics, the free basics and the internet.org. But the point I was going to make there about where Facebook typically goes in and just acquires a company or blatantly copies them. Whereas the Facebook family of apps robustly is a real force to be reckoned with. You know, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and Messenger combined, which is why they decided not long back, I think it was uh, one or two quarters ago, that they just lumped all the numbers together and they're not breaking them down, which I know for us marketers is kind of annoying, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. we don't think of all of those networks put together as one network, but they certainly do, apparently. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Mari, thank you for the for the update slash the reminder that yeah, I don't think we've seen an ad, an ad revenue number on any of these quarterly calls consistently through all of the PR. Let's just call it headaches over the past two years, year and a half, mm-hmm. two years now. It's never gone down as far as I remember. It's always consistently been going up. And that's a sign of, I don't know, solid, not just solid growth numbers wise, even though that's, again, like you said, plateaued. It's still growing, <laughs> although they're hiding it <laughs> in, a, in a, you know, let's pull all of the in one basket kind of a, a metric. I mean, 3% uptick year over year. And when we're talking 3%, we're talking millions of dollars. Yeah. So. Anyway, yeah, big time. You know, it's funny, Eric. You just made me think that uh, you know, back when Cambridge Analytica really hit the major headlines about how data could be used, and sometimes bad news can turn around and be, you know, alert companies, brands that maybe didn't. Well, most most brands or major brands are going to be savvy about this, but it, it's almost like the bad press was like, wait a minute. You can use data. You can use personal data to reach whoever you want. <laughs> I think I'll try Facebook ads. <laughs> How do we do that but not go illegal like Cambridge did? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. Well, so speaking of personal data and millions of dollars, the FTC settlement was announced. And wow. So basically the first major detail is that the settlement includes a fine of $5 billion. Right. Um, the largest ever for a tech company. So mm-hmm. there you go. But there's also some other details here in the agreement that, you know, basically it's 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 saying, hey, Facebook, we're not only going to fine you, we're going to make sure you can't ever do this again. And that's going to be due to oversight. And I'm sure that you've read through some of the details here. In fact, Grace, maybe you could give us a quick just here are the bullets for what those major settlement items are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So you can go into deeper detail, but here is the big overview. So Facebook must exercise greater control and oversight over third-party apps, include terminating app developers that fail to certify that they're in compliance with Facebook's platform. Now, the issue with Cambridge Analytica was that they were told to stop doing what they were doing, but then they continued to do it. And at this point, you know, it's questionable about whether or not Facebook was aware of it or not. I mean, I know that that's still being argued, but 
this agreement does require that you definitely need to figure out if they're still using your data or not, right? The second point was they are being prohibited from using phone numbers to obtain So, you know, when you use a phone number for two-factor authorization, that can't be used in advertising. Uh, Facebook must offer clear and conspicuous notice of its use of facial recognition technology, including obtaining affirmative expressed user consent. So it's going to be an opt-in and a enthusiastic opt-in at that, from what this sounds like. Facebook must also establish and implement and maintain a comprehensive data security program, including encrypting personal passwords, not putting them in a text file or a plain text file. And then last but not least, they are prohibited from asking for email passwords in any way for when when users sign up. So those are, what is that? One, two, three, about six or seven or six requirements that were clearly outlined by the FTC. And I'm sure there's plenty of details within each one. Yeah. So Mari, <laughs> these don't seem, you know, unreasonable when I hear them being read back. But again, there's a number of these conditions. And I mean, do you think this is going to hinder Facebook being able to submit new products and services? And what do you think, in your opinion, will that leave in terms of like innovation wiggle room for Facebook? And how do you think that's going to affect marketers if, if Facebook can't innovate as, as quickly or as much as they want to? Well, I got to read a comment from Tim Lewis here. He said it's right. like attacking an elephant with a pin. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. So, you know, and, and on the FTC's own, like the FTC.gov, they have their whole like um, press release about uh, the fine, which came out July 24. And I love that graphic that has the circles. As you see, 148 million fine with Uber, 230 million British Airways proposed, and then 275 million Equifax, and then blasting big, big circle, 5 billion for Facebook. <laughs> and so, yeah, to Tim's point, whatever. They got billions and billions, 5 billion. Okay. And they had a heads up on it. I think it's maybe been roughly a year that they've kind of known roughly the amount. And so they've been, you know, okay, they're prepared for that. So the fine's a fine. All right. The thing is that Grace just read that list of six requirements, a mandate, right? The FTC is mandating that Facebook follow these. Well, to your point, Eric, will that affect marketers? Will Facebook be less innovative? Heck no. All it's going to do And Wednesday, which was last Wednesday was the earnings call, Zuckerberg did an internal address of the team, the core team. And he said, and, and of course he knows this is going to be taken outside, right? It's not like closed door lockdown. Right. Nobody's ever going to know what's happening. So he knows there's, there's even PR to that. And he's saying, you know, okay, things are about to really change big time. It's going to be like totally radically different. And the main change is all it's going to be is it'll just take a little bit longer. There's just some red tape. There's just some paperwork to fill out that will take them a little bit longer to develop new features. But the things like not using phone numbers from two-factor authentication for advertising, that was a big no-no in the first place. That was, right. Now, I don't know about you guys, but do you remember back in the day that you could literally punch a phone number in the Facebook search bar? Yes. And, if, and that would pop up a person. And, and, and so the fact that that was actually getting used in some of the advertising data, that's just, that's a big no-no. And then that time, yeah, that they really did have a bunch of passwords stored in plain text and oopsie-daisy accidentally got revealed or whatever. So these are things that the FTC and all of their inquiry and their research, they've surfaced, and then now they've put this mandate in place. 
well, is it enough? Is it enough to really, you know, for example, radically improve trust and reputation? I got to tell you, my kind of like wish list with Facebook is that they would pour an inordinate amount of those buildings into developing an incredible customer service department. Of yes. course, they, do. they have great customer service if you are investing a boatload of money in ads. Right? If you're one of their top advertisers, sure, you'll get all the help in the world. Facebook is comprised of hundreds of millions of small users, small business users, small, medium-sized. And like you, I'm sure uh, I run into people who are frustrated all the time with, with Facebook not providing the kind of service they could. Could you imagine Apple Care level, Apple Care level, for those of you that have Apple's, <laughs> Apple products, uh, at the Facebook level, right? Facebook yeah. Care. People would pay, people would even pay for decent customer service yeah. at Facebook. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a great point. It's a dream, it is. right? It really is. It's a dream yeah. on. <laughs> so, so as a marketer, though, listening to these these stipulations and this, fi- I mean, one, the fine, okay, fine, they've got that covered. The fine, yep. they've got that covered, fine. <laughs> but uh, as far as these stipulations, like you don't feel like this is going to hinder them in any way, really, and so it's not going to really hinder any marketers' activities and plans that we've got. Eric, so here's the thing, like, because um, I think during all of this FTC investigation, it's, it, there's made some changes to custom audiences, right? So they they removed the estimate if you were uploading, so because you they didn't want you to reverse engineer and see demographics inside a custom audience. And then you had to kind of like just check a box to say, oh, yeah, I got this from permission-based opt-in or it was through an agency or a partner. Now, does that really mean that do people have actual integrity that they're going to go, yeah, really? And, and Facebook, it's really the honor system. It's mm-hmm. totally the honor system because they do not have the resources, or they do, but they just won't, to deploy, to go and check every single you know advertiser or agency or even certified Facebook marketing partner at the level of like, let us supervise and really come into your offices and see what you're doing with the data. No, everybody's just checking a box and going, yep, I got this permission-based opt-in. Will this affect advertisers uploading data or accessing data? No, I don't think it will. Good. Good. All right. (laughs) Let's see here. So there's really not much else to say about the FTC fine then, but we can then switch over to Mark then started to address the fine as well as their, you know, pivoting slash really just moving forward as usual, but with more of a clarity on their priorities moving forward in his uh, Facebook post. And he basically said, we're going to focus on four priorities for the year. And those four priorities are making progress on major social issues. I'm not going to really dig into that just yet. Building qualitatively new experiences, number two. Number three, building our business. And then four, communicating what we stand for more transparently. And then he went into talking about the first two. So I'd like Mm -hmm. to talk about those for a little bit. And basically, he lists those four four priorities, talks about the first two. And of these priorities, I got to ask, like, which ones are you most excited for and for what reason? Because, you know, privacy is the one thing. And then we get into commerce and payments and and augmentation and or sorry, augmented reality and virtual reality coming out for like new experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I just want to touch real quickly on wh- the fact that he really dug in to the company priorities, the first of which, as he talks about the major social issues. And by the way, the, the post on Facebook is his verbatim opening remarks on the earnings call. Mm-hmm. So if you ever tune into the earnings call and wait a few minutes right after he said them on the phone call, then verbatim they'll be on his on his uh, profile, which is how he chooses to do it. 
but I thought it was fascinating. He dedicated many, many, many paragraphs at the beginning of his talk, specifically around election interference, because that's coming up in the 2020 elections. Some major, major advertising dollars will be spent. And yet, no matter what, there's going to be sophisticated bad actors. So I know that Zuck and his whole team are already kind of like on edge going, all right, like cat and mouse, can we put the pieces in place quickly enough to prevent any kind of major catastrophe or more catastrophes? <laughs> um, but so that's, a, I know that's like top of their priority right now is really in working with government officials and whatnot. And Zuckerberg had done that opinion piece. He did several opinion pieces in major publications uh, over the last like 12 months. And he's really like wanting to do this independent oversight board. So we'll see, see how that all rolls out. But anyway, so those are kind of like on the table for us to all keep an eye on. But to your question, Eric, about what am I most excited about? I think that we're, we have only seen the tip of the iceberg of what's possible with Messenger. And the new uh, Asha, her name is, she is the head of Messenger. And she was up right after Zuck at the F8 conference at the end of April, beginning of May. And they're talking about it being a social network built around messaging. And then with Zuck's new mantra, the future is private, the future is private. And there's many reasons why he's saying that. It's because... They want to be able to kind of show to the world, to government, to lawmakers, whatnot, that, oh, hey, we're taking this all encrypted. We're taking this all private. No, you know, we're not going to have all this data shared publicly and so on and so forth. So the big focus on Messenger, on WhatsApp, on Instagram Direct, doing the interoperability that's going to be coming. But we'll see. We'll see where all that shakes out. But like you said, Eric, definitely commerce and payments and Instagram shopping, marketplace. I mean, that's where they can go head to head with with China's WeChat. But outside of China, that Facebook is poised with Instagram and with Facebook, uh, I mean, with uh, WhatsApp and Messenger, all four apps combined to really, really um, dig into this commerce area, payments, and then, of course, Libra, the crypto coin, or stable coins, not really a cryptocurrency, but We'll see how this all goes and if, if the government will even let them go ahead with it. If we end up getting a change in government next, next election, could be that either goes forward smoothly. If we get the same government, it might be some big delays with, with Libra coin and Libra association. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, so uh, anything else you can think of in terms of what Mark Zuckerberg said in his Facebook post that stood out to you? Anything that caught your attention? Well, this one paragraph about what he said, he said himself that he's very excited about, and I am too, because when you think about, you can get that captive audience where they're scrolling through Instagram, right? 99.9999% people, percent of people are, are, are on Instagram mobile, even though they have a desktop version, but they're scrolling through, they see something they want to buy, it's impulse shopping, tap, 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 done, they're carry on scrolling and never leave the app. And they already are either have their credit card in there or when they do get the Libra coin, the digital transactions, I mean, that's just extraordinary. And of course, you've got David Marcus, who's former, you know, major uh, executive at PayPal. And then, then he was major executive, headed up Messenger for a while. So this is what's coming is this ability to do Instagram shopping, Facebook, marketplace, payments across all apps using the Libra coin. 
Mm-hmm. Like that is it. And, and with having the, you know, and, and I don't, I don't know just enough to be dangerous about like blockchain to be able to articulate it, but with it being decentralized, which is what freaks out the government and the banks. But if you get savvy banks that go, oh, this is the future, you know, most society would, would like to have decentralization and have more power. The power is moving to the, to the people now, the consumers. Yeah. A few mm-hmm. episodes back, probably, well, a month and a half or so ago, we had Joel Kahn on here when Facebook mm. made the Libra announcement. And, you know, he broke it down. He, I felt like I understood it for the very first time. So if anybody wants to, they can go back and jump back and watch or listen to that to brush up on it. Uh, it and not just talks about, he doesn't just explain Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, but then talks about what Facebook Libra and Calibra are. Yeah in that context. So it was actually really enlightening. I really enjoyed uh, talking with him about that. So, so speaking of television, this is the one piece of information here about Facebook recently that I'm just kind of, I'm either I'm slightly optimistic (laughs) slash really skeptical at the very same time. So the news here is that basic, basically Facebook is continuing to develop a TV streaming device with one major caveat that makes it stand out different from Apple TV and Roku and Fire TV, which is the existence of a camera included that it, and it's codenamed Catalina and it's aiming to release it. Facebook's aiming to release this this fall. And it's based on the same video technology that the portal has. So what makes this different from a portal. And do you think people really want this? Well, you know what, Eric, there's a category, a small slice of people out there who just don't really care. They, they know everything's tracked. They just, all the Alexa users or the voice activated devices, you know, the wearables, whatever, they know everything's being tracked and they just don't care. Then you've got other people who really, really just get freaked out and they don't want, you know, Big Brother, they don't want 24-7 surveillance and they get freaked out at like their phone listening to them or their computer listening to them. So the concept of having a camera pointed at your sofa, your couch in the living room, 24-7, potentially, possibly, how do we know, observing you, (laughs) listening to you. But the concept is so that you can actually do video calls and stream your favorite movies. Now, what I thought was really, really interesting about Facebook's move around this project Catalina is them approaching Netflix, Disney, HBO, Hulu, Amazon. I think Amazon, one of them too. And it's like, wait a minute. And in some regards, you were like, wait, what? That would seem bizarre. They, they want to work with the competitors. But on the other hand, it's like, oh my gosh, how cool would that be if they start all kind of like working together? I don't know. It's like, there's there's enough to go around for everyone. And if they really do bring out this device, which they will, they'll bring it out. I don't know how successful the portal has been so far. I think Zuck on two quarters ago, he said it he didn't reveal numbers really, but he just said they'd done better than they thought. Um, but I know, I know I'm, I won't even have a Alexa. I mean, I have fire TV, but I just get freaked out. The idea that things listening <laughs> Yeah. Uh, You mentioned them talking to all of the different or locking in these different, uh, you know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, HBO, Disney, all of these, all of the different major streaming flavors that are out there. But it's legitimizing for Facebook to get all of those different things and say, hey, our device is just like all those other devices and more. 
We've got the camera that'll let you do, you know, this will let you do video conferencing. Like this is how we can say, hey, instead you can get the kids in in front of the TV and then just look at this camera and then, oh, by the way, buy one for your parents as well. Set it up for them. Privacy issues aside, I actually, as I was reading through this, thought to myself, ooh, for my parents who aren't that tech savvy, buying <laughs> one of these and sending it up on their TV so that we could do video chat might actually be a solution. And then I said, whoa, hold up. Did I actually almost just buy into this? And I'm not saying yay or nay. I'm saying, wow, they actually almost got me too in a good way. Maybe. <laughs> well, no, you're right, Eric, because here's the thing. Now, not a lot of people necessarily know this, but Facebook has a mission statement that's bring the world closer together. Yes. It used to connect the world, but it's bring the world closer together. And then they have a separate mission statement for video. And that is to create shared experiences and a sense of belonging through video. So the, one of the ways you do that is with the watch party concept. So you can get together and it's like, and then they're bringing that into Messenger so that you have a group of friends all watching the same video through Messenger. What you just described there, Eric, you get your grandparents, your parents. Now, potentially, I don't know for certain, but this is what I'm predicting they're probably going to do with the video camera thing is that you're now on a video chat device while you're all watching the same show anywhere in the world. That is how you bring oh, the world wow. closer together and bring this sense of belonging. Yeah, especially since you could do a picture-in-picture picture thing where the – like on watch TV or uh, watch parties. But on this big screen TV, you've got all this room for the content, and then you've got enough room to do a picture-in-picture picture that doesn't take away from the major content – with the people that you're watching it with and they can, ah. you can see them and they can see you. And so in this, in this segment alone, we've gone from like, Ooh, no, to like, well, maybe to like, <laughs> now let's come up with ideas for it. So yeah. this is how it happens. People, this is how it happens. <laughs> so, and, and I am assuming again, that then this would also just work at in tandem with people who already bought a portal they'd be able to do that drop-in thing. I mean, again, I'm assuming, I'm not saying they've confirmed this, but I'm assuming it would make sense mm -hmm. for them to make that an option. Uh, you mean like an upgrade on the portal? Yeah, like that it's basically going through the same Facebook pipes. So yeah. I'm here yeah. on my portal here at my desk and they're there on their Catalina, whatever the end, of, the end name ends yeah. up being, you know, attached to their TV and like how Amazon's video devices that they have also work where the pop echo in and drop in exactly. and echo show and all yeah. those things. Oh, you know what? If we combine all of this up together in summary is you add in the commerce part. Mm. So now like you got TV, like you ads, ads come up and now you got like either touch screen or you're interacting through this Catalina device and you're making a purchase all the while you're watching your favorite shows with your friends and family around the world and seamlessly buying stuff with your Libra coin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or couches are sending things to each other, right? Like as you're watching it together. No, this is definitely, there's definitely a lot of opportunity here. I'm, I'm interested personally to see where this goes. Mm -hmm. Truly. Me too. Yeah. yeah. All right. So yeah. we talked about, uh, we started off talking about, fines and paying large amounts of money and then stipulations, but that basically Facebook's been unfazed and they're still working on new stuff. And then we ended up even finishing this out, this segment out being kind of excited for something they're announcing. So <laughs> thanks Mari. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and each of it is a new revenue stream, right? A new marketing stream for us. So, or not for us, 
new Good new new uh, advertising channel for us, new revenue stream for them. Let's as, <laughs> as Moonball in the chat here says, Facebook always wins. So, Mari, thanks again for being here. Hey, uh, looking forward to having you back on again soon. My pleasure. Enjoy the day, friends. See ya. Thank you. Bye. All right. Whew. That was a lot to, to cover, but we did it. So let's bring in our next guest, Jeff C., to talk about Pinterest here. Hello. It's Jeff. Howdy, folks. How are you guys doing? I didn't recognize you with the glasses. Is this, I, well, like, is this your you, Clark Kent? <laughs> well, when you're on after uh, Mari Smith, you need to look as intelligent as possible. So, oh. you know, just that's the reason is I, I need to look smart after yes. that. She dropped a ton of knowledge there. So yeah. that's, yeah, I learned a bunch. Great, so. great, great insight, great perspectives. So we're going to hold you to the same standard. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so, awesome. uh, Jeff, you're the owner of and creative director of His Design Incorporated. You are the head beard at Manly Pinterest Tips and host of the Manly Pinterest tips podcast and you're also on the social team here at social media examiner and uh you're the pinterest guy you're that guy and uh, you're that guy anyway there's a number of pinterest updates so let's just start rolling through these and uh, so first one up improved product recommendations walk us through this yeah, so uh, there's been a lot of cool stuff going on at Pinterest, and I think mainly because of the IPO, they've been doing a lot for brands and advertisers, and I they're really wanting to push their network to get ready for shopping. And I want you guys to really watch how uh, Pinterest and Instagram kind of work this space out and compete against each other. It's going to be really interesting, I believe, uh, as we get closer to the holidays, because I think there's going to be some real competition between the holiday shoppers, between Pinterest and Instagram. Anyway, so uh, Pinterest did. They rolled out these new product recommendations on Tuesday, and they have this new button that says uh, when you see a product pin and uh, you click on it underneath it, it says more from Target or more from you know Nordstrom's or whatever underneath these product pins. And when you click on them, they, it takes you to the, the brand's like browsable catalog, which really shows you the, their prices and all their different items that they have there. And it gives you another way to shop and you can buy right in the platform itself. So uh, when you click on that item, it actually takes you to that place's website and you can actually make the purchase inside of Pinterest. So very, very cool. And so what this means for marketers is that Pinterest has already started recently to allow companies to upload their entire catalog. So this is really a cool way for people to discover maybe brands and all the different products that they have. So I'm excited for it. So if you have a Shopify account, this is something that excites you because it's really easy to tie your uh, account to buyable pins with Shopify. So I think it's, it's really cool the way Pinterest is doing this. Cool. And you mentioned Target from the get-go. Yeah. There are a handful of products that have this feature. How can other brands get access to these features on their own with their own Pinterest accounts or their own product catalogs? Is this available to everyone or just certain people or just the cool kids or just Target? <laughs> so I haven't I haven't gotten it yet. So but okay. it is rolling out. So I'm assuming that it will because it only makes sense for them to do that, especially since that they um, uploaded it for um you had these, the ability to upload your whole product catalog. So mm-hmm. I think it's, if you don't have it yet, I, th- I think it's coming. And this was on the heels of a study. So when they announced this, they also announced a, a study by New Start, I guess is what it's called. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it, it had some insights on, I'll just go through real quick. So it was effectiveness of shopping ads on Pinterest. They found that those participating in the, the retail brands participating in the study saw a 2x higher return on their ad spend on Pinterest than any other social media channel. Again, that is two times higher return on ad right. spend. 
And and almost the same higher return on paid search. It also found that 75% of sales that came from Pinterest took place more than one week after people saw the ad on the platform. Yeah. So what is happening is, is people, and this has been, Pinterest has had this for a long time. Are people using this at the top of the sales funnel? They're using it. They're saving these products to their feed and they buy them later. And so one of the things Pinterest did really push in this press release is to make sure you're getting the correct attribution to where these sales are coming from, because sometimes it's really hard to tell. And I've seen this a lot with clients that I've worked with. They usually... They're, they're, you know, everybody's wanting their ROI. Pinterest is the long game and you really have to dig into it. But this is a big deal. 2.3 times more efficient than others at generating sales. And they wait for over a week before purchasing things they see on a platform. And so that's a kind of a different feel than what we're kind of used to with like Facebook ads or some of the other, you know, advertising models that we're used to. But it really does work. So if you're interested in trying this, make sure, you know, have a smaller budget, but be in it for the long haul and really try to drill down into your data and find out where those sales are coming from. Absolutely. And that is a point that they made to, I think it was like uh, shortening, was it the last click model, shortening it, the right. terms of it. So yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. They've got good some insight. great, uh, they've got some great stuff on their blog that if you, you're interested in that to go read that, cause that'll kind of give you some more information. Right. And you can find the study and the news uh, on uh, Pinterest business blog. So it's uh, business.pinterest.com. And then you will, it's one of their most recent posts. So you'll see that study and the results of it. Right. And they've also introduced a new thing also on Tuesday. They they brought out this thing called, um, they've kind of added this new personable shopping thing that says picked for you at the top. Now, I don't have this yet. But I don't know. And, and I was talking with my friend, Elisa Meredith, because uh, she does a lot of stuff with Bible pins and I don't have it. And I'm wondering, because I don't buy a lot of stuff on Pinterest or anything like that. But what they're doing is they're putting this special section where they put things up there that you've been pinning or brands that you pin the most. And then when you tap that pick for you, it leads to a, cattle, a personal page of these product pins. And you can also buy right from there. So it's a great, like this personalized shopping hub. A lot of the news articles are, are talking about it because it's based on your interests your and your brands that you used and people you've interacted with on Pinterest. And I think this is really great for marketers because it's just another way for you to, to be discovered on Pinterest. If your brand is doing well on Pinterest and people are pinning and saving your pins, this is a great way to see amplification to maybe some new customers and putting your product in front of them that way. You mentioned earlier the whole seeing how Instagram and Pinterest play off each other or compete in this space. And this makes me think of a piece of news from, I don't know, a number of weeks ago now that we talked about where Instagram said that it was going to be adding an ads tab to the explore tab so that you'd be able to tap there and see all these different ads, but there'll be ads tailored to what you're interacting with and like based on your Instagram stuff, which again, as we've both seen is kind of more the most accurate out of any of them for me, at least. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think it's, I mean, it's a great thing and it's going to be really interesting how those two uh, duke it out over the, the Christmas and holiday season. Yeah. So Pinterest also introduced something called mobile ads on the go. Yeah. So brands on Pinterest now can easily create and manage ad campaigns on the network on their mobile devices. So this works for iOS and Android, and it's available right now to all businesses across the United States. The global rollout is coming. Lots of brands were involved in this uh, initial testing. 
But this is what I think it means for marketers. For me, the main thing is that I'm able to check stats on my promoted pins on the go. It's great that you're able to create ads and do all this stuff. But if I'm doing a high dollar campaign for a client, I don't want my big thumbs <laughs> to make a mistake. You don't want to talk to a client and goes, hey, they wanted like a $2,000 ad spend and you actually sent up for like $200,000. So I will probably use the desktop when I'm creating ads. I mean, it's a great feature. Um, but I do all that stuff on the, on the de desktop. Now, it's cool that you can see these stats, though, because uh, now you can see ad spend, uh, remaining campaign duration, impressions, clicks, click-through rates, and save. So, I mean, that's cool. I will use that. Like, if I'm out and about, especially for my client's uh, you know, office, I can just pull that up and talk to them about that. But creating ads, I mean, I just I don't see that happening a lot. Maybe that's just me, but my big thumbs kind of can get in the way. Of <laughs> well, so maybe the play here is yes, create it on the desktop, but then if they ring you up and you're out and about, Hey, there's an, there is a, you made a mistake on desktop. At least you can fix it on mobile. <laughs> right. No, right. I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. No, no, it works both on desktop and mobile is a cool thing. Yeah. I just don't know many people who would create a big ad budget. Now, if you're doing a little tests and stuff, that's cool. But just for like, if you're doing client work, it's just a little, Makes me a little nervous. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right. So now Pinterest introducing story pins. Is this yeah. the last platform to add stories? No, I think LinkedIn still doesn't. Yeah, yeah. it's coming. You know, it is. But They're going to rip off, you know, Snapchat, everybody. It's like, a, yeah. oh, they did it. So we'll do it too. It's not really, it is kind of the story thing. They're calling it uh, story pins. Now this is very, very limited. I haven't I've only seen one in the wild and, and it was from an example that Pinterest is using on their website. I don't have these to test and I don't know anybody who does. I really would like to because what it is, it's a way to create kind of multiple media pins like images and texts and videos. Now this is different from their promoted carousel pins because that's only just for images. This okay. is a way to share up to 20 pages or different uh, sections of images, text, and multiple uh, links to that. Multiple links is what caught my eye. So yeah. I saw this used for, it was for uh, a, a restaurant reviewer from in Austin and they were going around and they had images of a certain restaurant in Austin. And then they would go to the next thing would be uh, a little bit of text about it and then a link to that place. And so I think it's very, very cool. I'm hoping they'll open it up to everybody. You could only use it on iOS, which I thought was weird, but um, they said they're going to give it to more people soon because I see it like a way that I could, you know, I could have a really captivating uh, image on that. Then I could go to a video uh, and then I could go to all the different blog posts and all those would have different links. I can see somebody doing that with products as well. So I think it's really cool to get people maybe to stop scrolling a little bit on Pinterest and stand out a little way. It's got its own little icon. So, you know, it's a story pin. So I think it's, it's, it's a cool idea. I just, I haven't played with it yet. So I don't know how hard or difficult it is to create those and what the, you know, they, they have some, some recommendations and like tech requirements, but since nobody has it yet, <laughs> it's kind of hard. I mean, you can have the, the minimum is like two different sections and the maximum is like 20 pages. So that's kind of, that's a, big place to tell a story. So uh, I think it's going to be interesting as more of those roll out. 
I think it's a great way to keep people on the platform as well, because yeah. you know, I use Pinterest a lot for recipes. And I just think like, you know, rather than scrolling through several or having to like click on a link and it takes me off and now I'm all over here and I'm searching over there, it keeps you on Pinterest and you can still go through a step-by-step or a DIY or right. a longer video. And the example, the restaurant reviewer would be like, that'd be really great to be able to just stay there and link to different places all at once. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's great. The multiple linking is very, very cool, especially for people who have products. If they could tell a story in an interesting way and show off like a certain section of their, uh, their, you know, let's say it's beard oil and all their, their beard oil they can have and a story behind that and guys wearing that and what it does. I mean, because that's, that's big on Pinterest, by the way. And so, I mean, it would, it, it helps people. Uh, engage with your products in a different way than just a static shot of the product and what it is and a price. Cool. So where are these showing up? If people are looking for these, I mean, is it just in the feed or is there a designated, because I think of stories on all these platforms and they're always like up and separated up out of the normal feed. From what I've seen, they're not, not they're not, and we're going to talk about video uh, features in, right after this, but stories are actually just, they're just different ones inside of the feed. So they would okay. just show up, they have a little different icon and it tells you it's a story pin and that's how you find them. Now, I would assume if these do take off, they would have a, a separate tab for them at the top of the profile like they do right now for video pins. So um, that would be, I would think would make sense, but so far I haven't seen many of them out in the wild. Okay. So, okay. So speaking of uh, the new video features, let's dive into that a bit. Yeah. So Pinterest is getting on the video platform, just like everybody else. They have upgraded their uh, video uploader. They have that video tab I just mentioned, which actually, if you go to somebody's profile, it'll see, you can see all the videos they have, which is really big deal for brands um, yeah. because people can come go to your uh, profile and see all the videos that you've uh, posted on Pinterest, which is very cool. So they're not just you know, they're not lost in the feed. Um, it gives a really evergreen feel to it. Video really stands out on Pinterest because people are so used to those static images. When you scroll and you see video happening, it's a big deal. So they've updated some features. Um, they've given you lifetime analytics. So I can go in now to, uh, my videos on Pinterest and see how many times it's played, how long people have been watching it, uh, kind of the standard kind of video stats that you're used to for the lifetime of the pin, which is very, very cool. And you can also do pin scheduling, which is a big deal because they have not opened up their API for any of the other, like Tailwind, which is a real popular uh, scheduler, which a lot of us use. You can't schedule video pins right now, but you can through Pinterest video pin uploader. So you can do it all inside of the platform. And so if you have a lot of video pins that you want to do, you can do it inside of there and schedule them to trickle out throughout the week or month or whatever you're doing. So these new features are available for all business accounts in the English speaking countries and in France and Germany. And they're going to be rolling out to to creators all over the world. So what this means for marketers, if you're wanting to test out video pins, this is a great way to do it with this uploader. You can see all the stats that you need to see. Uh, it's mm -hmm. the only way you can schedule video pins right now is through this uh, new update. And so um, I, I assume that they're going to open up this API to the scheduling apps in a, a later date. But as of now, you can only do it through na uh, native Pinterest. Cool. Very cool. Jeff, thank you for updating us on all the different Pinterest news. And thanks again for being here and we'll see you again soon. Yeah. And so um, I did this so I can whip off my glasses and you can find me at mainly Pinteresttips.com. We're always adding testosterone one pin at a time. See you guys. Bye. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, well done. Okay. Wow. So much information in yes. this episode, yes. but 
fear not. You can find all the notes, all the links, all the details publishing tomorrow on socialmediaexaminer.com slash news. You'll get the full recap, everything discussed, and probably a little extra. Like (laughs) There also, if you're happening to listen to this as a podcast, you can watch us record the show over on Crowdcast. In fact, you can join us as we record the show every Friday, most Fridays. Our next show will be recording Friday, August 9th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And you can find out more by going to socialmediaexaminer.com slash live show. Or if you want to listen to this every Saturday as it releases as a podcast, you know what? Everybody who joins us live, I think you should go subscribe to the podcast as a backup anyway. And that'll help other people find out about the show. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. And again, just search for Social Media Marketing Talk Show and then hit subscribe so that you're reminded of the show every week. And Uh, leave a review. And leave a a a rating and a review. We've got a lot of great ratings and reviews over there now, actually, which are very cool. I was reading through them. I had never looked at them before. I don't (laughs) typically go do that because, you know, avoid the comments. But they were all really good. And I want to say thank you to everybody out there that had already done that. And so if you were, if you're enjoying the show, that would help us too by going and doing that and as well as subscribing. So thanks again for joining us and thanks again for listening and we'll see you next episode. Have a great weekend and a great week. Bye everyone. The social media marketing talk show is a social media examiner production for more social media insight. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the social media marketing society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.